Welcome to the Mindful Life Podcast. Join me, your host, Marianne Eve, mental health social worker and mindfulness educator, as I navigate living my best life with the intention to educate and raise the collective consciousness around the benefits of living a mindful life. Each week via the Mindful Life Podcast, I will bring to you a range of content, including special guests that explore mindfulness, mindset, and mental health. Are you feeling tired or are you under stress? Are you overloaded or just generally feeling overwhelmed? Well, I'm really excited to share a very special stress reduction tool that I've been using and recommending to my clients for a number of years. Calm is the number one app for meditation, relaxation and sleep. With over 21 million downloads and achieving the Apple App of the Year in 2017, Calm is so perfectly aligned with all that I do as a mental health professional and all that I teach here at the Mindful Life Podcast. It is the perfect stress relief strategy and the perfect mindfulness tool. The app has so many fantastic and easy to use features, including Daily Calm, a brand new 10 minute meditation every day, 100 plus guided meditations covering anxiety, focus, gratitude, and so much more. 80 plus sleep stories to settle the mind and relax the body. Exclusive music tracks for focus, relaxation, and sleep. Calm Masterclass featuring world-renowned mindfulness experts. My personal favorites include sleep stories, and I've recently discovered Calm Music, which I have on a continuous loop at my practice, in counseling sessions, and in classes. I also love the Calm Masterclass videos, which cover some fantastic topics, including gratitude, happiness, and mindful eating. And not to mention all the great features the app now offers for kids, including sleep stories, meditations, and lullabies. I'm so very excited to be partnering with Calm to bring you, my listeners, some amazing offers. Calm is so generously offering the Mindful Life podcast listeners a free four-week subscription to the Calm Premium app. All you need to do is head to the following link, calm.com forward slash calm health trial. That's calm.com forward slash calm health trial and just follow the prompts to enjoy your free four-week trial of calm premium you'll be feeling calm relaxed and at peace in no time the mindful life podcast acknowledges the Wurundjeri people who are the traditional custodians of the land on which this podcast was recorded We recognise their continuing connection to land, water and community and pay respect to their elders past, present and emerging. Hello and thanks for joining me for episode number three of the Mindful Life podcast. In today's episode, I talk with 27-year-old adapted CrossFit athlete Josh Young from Melbourne, Australia. In 2017, the young father of two with another baby on the way was seriously injured in a mountain bike accident. And as a result, Josh is now a T12 paraplegic. I was lucky enough to have a sit down and a bit of a chat with Josh about his journey to becoming an adapted athlete representing Australia, incredibly just two short years after his accident. Josh tells us a story of obstacles and of struggles, but he also tells a story of determination, acceptance, compassion and gratitude, and of living in the moment. Josh's positive attitude and his positive outlook are truly inspiring and an incredible lesson for us all. Welcome, Josh, to the Mindful Life podcast. Oh, Thanks thank for you. coming along for a chat. Um, you're my first official guest on my show, so that's very exciting. So let's talk about uh, moving on to what happened that day when you um, had your accident. Mm-hmm. If you want to just give us a bit of a rundown. Um, so yeah, I had an accident on a mountain bike. Um, I was out for a few hours with my brother-in-laws um, at yeah, Buxton yeah. Um, and sort of the last half an hour of the day heading back to the car park went down a run and um, 
yeah, went over the handlebars on a jump and and uh, hit pretty hard. Mm. <laughs> um, and yeah, sort of blacked blacked out for a moment, and then came to lying down five or six meters away from the track. Um, and I think I knew I was in a in a bit of trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, initially, I was a bit out of it because I hit my head as well. Yeah. Um, and yeah, just sort of sort of laid there for a little while and um, tried to gather my wits and and called out to the brother-in-laws that were around. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was <clears throat> I was stuck there with a broken collarbone and and I couldn't move my legs. So mm. <laughs> so like immediately you couldn't move your legs. Yeah, I sort of um, yeah, like I said, I I hit pretty hard. Mm. Um, sort of back of my head and shoulders. Um. And I sort of, like, I don't know if you've ever experienced it, when you get the wind knocked out of you, yes, it's, yep. your body sort of lock, can lock up if you get mm. hit really hard. Um, and so I just thought that I had winded myself and my body mm. was just taking a minute to to come good. Mm. <clears throat> so after sort of blacking out for a bit, um, yeah, I remember laying there and, and trying to, I knew my shoulder was, was sore and just sort of just tried to get up onto my knees. Um, and I couldn't, I just tried to lift my hips up and there was nothing there. Mm. So I just took another minute and said, all right, I'll get my breath. Took a couple of minutes to get my breath and tried again. And still... So were you on your own during all of that? Yes. Yeah, so I was at the back of the, back of the pack going down. So mm. I had, everyone else was in front of me and I came off and I sort of laid there for what I think felt like 15 minutes or mm. so, um, sort of calling out. And then another rider came past. He wasn't a part of our group. Um, and he stopped and I said, my mates are down at the car park. Mm. They'll probably be looking for me by now. Um, just go and tell them I'm here and they... I feel like I was pretty calm at the moment, at the time. Mm. Um, but I was probably all over the place. But yeah, he went down and, and grabbed the boys and they came up and and helped me out. So Was there mobile reception there? Uh, limited. Well, there must have been because they, they got the ambulance, SES mm. or whoever it was that came. I'm not quite sure. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there must have been... Actually, there was. I remember being on the phone to, um, remember I spoke to Katie, mm. um, my wife, while I was, while I was there. So, was she frantic? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Without even knowing the seriousness, but you know, you hear accident, mm. bike going down a hill. Yeah. yeah. Um, I remember. I remember telling Ben, my brother-in-law, that I couldn't move my legs, and um, <clears throat> I remember he was he was sort of squatting beside me, and I was on my on my stomach and he like he was like pushing on my legs and he's saying can you can you feel any of this mm. i think he knew pretty early that it was quite serious he was great at when during the moment he I sort of i don't know chatted to me and and kept me level-headed kept um, you calm yeah, yeah just kept talking to me and, and um reassuring that everything was all right that you know help was on its way and he was he was a big help in the moment and so what then off to the hospital and lots of tests and um well straight away to the Alfred hospital yeah. um i got i think there was i've seen the photos i think there was maybe 10 or so ses ambulance cfa i'm not quite sure <laughs> the, whether Did they were... all come pretty quick yeah i think it was a pretty quick response i don't think there was i think they knew the seri- oh, ben knew the seriousness of it i don't think he conveyed that he pretty well that. yeah yep. Um, so yeah, I'm pretty sure they came far. They, they came pretty quick. Um, it took them a while to get me down because being a mountain bike park, there was uphills, downhills, jumps and berms and all sorts of stuff. So they had to carry me. It's not very conducive to getting like an ambulance in his No. (laughs) So So were you stretched? I was stretched down, yeah. Oh gosh. And there's, and there's a photo of like, there was a bunch of other riders there who helped out as well. So there's, there's, (laughs) there's one photo of me on the stretcher and there's, like an entourage of 20 people sort wow. of carrying bikes and stretcher and equipment yep. and all sorts of stuff. Um, apparently it took me, it took them a good half an hour to get me from getting on the stretcher down to the ambulance. Mm. Hopped in an ambulance, um, then zipped around to a paddock where a, a, um, a helicopter was waiting and yep. they lifted me to the Alfred hospital where I was rushed in for a spinal fusion. So, um, I think the uh, they stress the the stability um, of the 
of the spine when when something like when a spinal cord injury happens because i think if anything moves around it could pull more on the spinal cord and do right. more damage um so they try and limit that as much as possible because being such a cut and dry thing mm. it's if the damage is there then that the damage is there and there's nothing that could be done about mm-hmm. it. So they try and limit any of that. Yep. Um, in that first in that first stage. Hospital I was up to my eyeballs in painkillers. Mm-hmm. Um I don't remember being in much pain um when I was lying there. Maybe it was adrenaline or shock or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, the body's that. pretty good in that that case, yeah. isn't it? Um Yeah, so I remember I remember like again the wind knocked out of me and like oh hurt. Mm. But then laying there, it was just sort of, my collarbone was broken in three places and I couldn't, I couldn't feel it. Like yep. it was just sort of. So either the drugs kicked in or the adrenaline kicked yeah, in. Yeah, it was, was one or the other. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, so yeah, I got rushed to, rushed to hospital and, and had the screws and rods put in and stitched back up. Yep. Um, and that was sort of, yeah, it was 11 o'clock at the night by, by the time that had happened. By the time I got out of there, um. Mm. Yeah, then I was uh, at the at the Alfred for three days. Yeah, yeah. I think that that happened on the Saturday, and then I got shifted to the, the Austin Hospital on the Tuesday. Yeah. So, so did, did you know at that point that you were a paraplegic? Uh yeah. The um, the surgeon and I don't know if there was another doctor at the Alfred that were pretty pretty adamant that there was. Um, complete spinal cord damage, yeah. um, which means oh, they say incomplete and complete spinal cord injury, um, or a complete. From that spot, there's nothing. There's no signals getting through below there. Yeah. No signals getting through and back up. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm fairly certain they told us then when I was at the Alfred, but I don't Probably remember. I don't. A blur. Yeah, the Alfred was a blur. Um, I don't remember much of that at all. Um. But then when I when I got to the Austin at the dedicated spinal ward, um, the doctors were very black and white about. Were they? Yeah, um, they sort of they gave me a you know ninety nine point nine percent chance, but mm. I think that point one is a technicality. You know. <laughs> but did they say, look, there's hope? Don't give up hope, or were they very blunt? They'll, Mate, you're not going to walk again. Um, oh, they weren't. They, they were honest. They were honest. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't say they were blunt. Um, they were honest in saying that. You should look forward, to, you know, look towards your life in the future being in a wheelchair. Yep. Um, and I think, I almost think that helped. Mm. Um, I think Katie, my wife and I are very, we're realists. Mm-hmm. And I think um, there's a lot of, a lot of people, you know, they wish well and they mean well, but they say, you know, something's, you know, it's all about effort or it's all in your head mm. or, or something like that. And Never get some, a pipe some kind of thing. Sometimes that can be the case. Yep. But but my case was very, very black and white. Um it's a complete spinal cord injury. Um never say never. But the doctor said don't almost don't waste your time in doing years of physiotherapy to try and get anything back. Yeah. Um so yeah. But I guess, um, you know, technology can change. Things can change in the future. We don't know what the future holds. Like yeah. if they said that, if they said, you know, perhaps one day there's, I don't know, some technology or there's something that may assist you or... Um, doctors didn't say that. Mm. Um, I've met a lot of people that advocate for, you know, looking forward to technology and those sorts mm. of things. Um, it's definitely... There's definitely some things happening. There's been strides being taken. Mm. But I'm not sure if it's... Entirely, <clears throat> sorry, entirely applicable just yet. Yeah, like it's still, it's still a few decades away. Yes, for for spinal cord injuries, I think. Yeah, because like, um, they do talk about a cure. Like I've heard of yeah, fundraising. You know, there's a um, cure for it. There's electrical implants that send impulses, you know, around the damage. Yeah, to bypass it. There's stem cell research as well that's going into it. Um, yeah, there are exoskeletons as well that people can wear and they can walk around. They're mm. clunky and awkward looking, yeah. but, you know. Robotic almost, aren't they? Yeah, well, they are. They sort of strap onto your legs and yep. just, just move your legs for you and you just got to balance, that's all. 
Um, so that depends could... on quality of life. To the quality of life you want is that is that yeah, what you want? That's that's a big thing mm. um, as well. I think quality of life is the ultimate deciding factor. Yes. I don't. I don't think it's worth me doing all that physio and spending time and money focusing on that. I think my my quality of life would be better with the way I'm going about it, I think, anyway. And that, you know, quality of life is um, playing with the kids and and going out and being a part of society and the community um, in a meaningful way. So Absolutely. So when you had this accident, Josh... You know, never a convenient time to have an accident. Mm. But I recall there was a lot going on at that time and it was a really yeah. inconvenient time for that to happen. Yeah. Um, so tell, tell the listeners what was, uh, yeah, what was happening in your life around the time of the accident. Um, so life was like, it was quite cruisy. We were, yeah. well, Katie and I were both working full time. I was a welder. She's a, a, um, a high school teacher. Um, Two step kids who they call me dad and they're my kids. Yep. Is, yeah, from Katie's previous. Isla and Noah. Yeah. Isla and Noah. Yep. Um, so there was the four of us. Um, Katie was pregnant at the time, around about fifteen weeks, um, with Remy, um, who's now eighteen months old, um, and we were in the midst of building a house. Um, we purchased land the year before, and we we're sort of looking at. Um, looking at building our house sort of a couple of weeks after the accident mm-hmm. that was when we were sort of expecting it all to start happening and then six months later we'll be moving into our house and have our daughter and there'll be the five of us all great happy, plan happy as Larry and, <laughs> great and plan. going along yeah so life, life was really cruisy we were we were both active we we're still doing crossfit um she was trying to train as much as she could she yep. was still staying active walking um and yeah I was in, active in the kids' life and and yeah, we were quite we were busy, but it was great. It was the simple life, really. And then you had the accident, and so yeah. there was a bit of a spanner thrown in the works, so yeah. to speak. Yep. Um, yeah. So I was our um our land title, and the build was going to start, and that start the build started. Uh, I think it was eighteen days. After my accident, mm. um, so I had to sign paperwork and and do photo ID recognition from my hospital from bed. the hospital bed. <laughs> yeah, God. so I was, you know, I was out, I was out of it. I was still on a lot of painkillers at the time. And, sign here. Yeah, and Katie was trying to manage that while she was pregnant and the kids. And oh God, it was full on. Hard, really yeah. hard. Yeah, it was a bit of a slog there for a moment. And then there was the wedding. Yeah. When did you guys get married? Uh, July this year. Yep. Um, so yeah, we um, had an anniversary in October the year before and I managed to get down on one knee. I had practised it yeah. as good as I could <laughs> while she was away. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Okay, so all happening and, you know, it all went ahead. We're sitting here in this beautiful home that was built. Yep. Um, I'm sure it had to be adapted somewhat. Um, you know, the original plans had to be adapted somewhat. Um, not really. Not really? Okay. No. Well, um... We sort of uh, open plan house really. Yeah. Um, there's a big ensuite, and the only thing there's two things that we changed through the builder, and that was we shifted the island bench further out so there was more room. Yep. In the kitchen, and um, we changed the flooring in the master bedroom. Oh, that was easy. Yeah. And I mean, modern houses these days are so open plan anyway. Really. Yeah, that's um, yes, yeah, so that was we're quite lucky in that regard. Um. There was a lot of suggestion from the people in the hospital system that I needed rails and ramps mm. and all this other stuff. And I just sort of, I might, I might say I'm a paraplegic and I've got a disability, but I don't want that to be the determining factor mm. in anything that I do. Yep. So what, I don't want anyone to come into the house and make, and have them feel like they're in a nursing home or mm. something like that. Well, it certainly doesn't feel like that. This uh, feels like a beautiful family home. Oh, that's, yep. that's what I want. Like, yeah. I just want it to be, yeah, the inverted commas normal. And I guess you make, um, you know, adjustments and allowances as you need to. I guess if you go along and you feel you need to add something. Yeah, well, that's, what, that's sort of how we've been living. Um, there's one ramp in the, in the garage. Mm. 
to come inside uh, and the the laundry door has a little portable ramp there and that's the only thing that's really yep um well I've got a there's a shower bench in the shower yep because I need to sit somewhere to have a shower so yep they're the only things that uh that we've really put in yep um, but yeah like you said you just overcome it when it happens absolutely that, and that's how we deal with things out and about as well mm. if there's yep. a steep hill or adapt as you need to yeah we come mm. across it and if it means given a new skill a try or something like that then we do it excellent so josh once you realized once you had been told that you were paraplegic um was there resistance i want to talk about this idea in buddhism we talk about acceptance versus resistance mm -hmm. and buddhism teaches us that if we resist change if we don't accept what's going on in our life it can cause suffering mm -hmm. so i guess i'm wanting to know from you you know when did you accept this when did you say well look this is this is it this is my lot in life and i need to adapt i notice on your uh, social medias you identify as a t12 paraplegic i've mm -hmm. heard you say that now yeah. already you're calling yourself an, an adapted athlete so it sounds to me like you've moved into that acceptance already yeah um oh, i'm not sure if there was a like a moment where it really happened. Um, I remember when I shifted to rehab, um, it was sort of a, maybe five weeks after the initial um, accident. Mm -hmm. um, I was laying in the bed there and there was a wardrobe in front of me that had mirrors on the doors. And I, um, I sort of looked at myself and I was like in a lot of pain. I, was, I just had a surgery five or six days beforehand mm. to my spine wasn't stabilized from the rods so they put an extra cage in so i was really sore and i was sort of beat up from that and just looking at the mirror and i just started like crying mm. i just was I that just the first time it. you cried oh no 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 i have cried every day really yep. um for that for that first little while anyway yep and i just sort of just looked at myself i just thought oh, god this is not i don't know i can't even remember what i was thinking but i was just really down and mm. so I told Katie I don't want to look at that can you move the wardrobe yes and so she shifted that and I sort of turned the bed so I wasn't directly looking at it it's um yeah it's really quite hard to to look at myself and I don't know take it in mm. and sort of at that time I was quite dependent because I because I broke my shoulder the doctors didn't want me to load bear through mm. my right arm yep. so I couldn't couldn't really roll myself in bed or do anything like that or even it was quite hard to even sit up by myself to get myself up I needed to pull on on uh on things and, and get myself up that way yeah but um yeah as well as that I remember <clears throat> in hospital they make they make us sit on commode chairs to go to the toilet uh your bowels have reflexes in them and your bladder does as well mm. um, to let you know when your bowel blood is full and you need to either go to the toilet or, or whatever um, so losing that sensation and losing the muscle tone my bowel and bladder don't work mm. they both leak mm. um, and so there were often times where I would wear my pants or, mm. or even worse and that's still that's still a concern to this day it's going to be a concern for a long time um, yeah, I remember sitting there on the toilet, on the commode, trying to go to the toilet, um, in front of the the bathroom mirror there. This is a few weeks on. I remember trying to say to myself that I'm a paraplegic. Um, and that made me cry. Mm. I was sort of looking at myself, just going, I am, this is what I am. So was, was that the time where you were kind of trying to accept it? You are moving I, into yeah, acceptance? Yeah, I, I think so. I was... I, I, like I said, being a somewhat of a realist, mm. I sort of I I feel like I had to to acknowledge it, um, and maybe in those you know, those first six weeks I really didn't. We just sort of the craziness of it all and mm. the, the surgeries and moving hospitals and all those sorts of things. It was it was a wild time, um, and maybe I didn't have the time to to look at myself and take the moment and accept what I what had happened and let it let it sink in yeah I don't think I had the chance to do that just yet mm. um 
Do you remember sitting there? And I would do that every day. Mm. Every time they put me in that chair, I'd sit there and and try and say that and try and come to terms with it. And it took me a long time to really mm. get to where I am now, where I can say that I am what I am and, mm. and this is what has happened to me. So, But it doesn't mean there's not going to be difficult emotions attached to that. You know, we can say, oh, yeah, I'm a realist, but mm. it still can be, there still can be feelings of loss and oh, sure. sadness and confusion and disappointment. Yeah, definitely. You know, that's, that's the human element, isn't it? Yeah. You know, that's the heart. Yeah, I still have moments now. Yeah. Um, sort of nearly two years on where I think, God, imagine what I could have done if I was, yeah. if this hadn't happened. Imagine what the last two years would have been like. Or, you know, how could I let this happen? Mm. Like there's, there's still moments where, I, you know, live in the past, I guess. And those what ifs come up and they, they're hard to deal with. They're really tough. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> the worst thing about them is they usually come along when I'm already feeling down anyway yeah so and that's like, that makes sense doesn't it you know you're feeling flat so then the negative thoughts creep in yeah, yeah that's the right. way the mind works yeah absolutely and but even just accepting that okay there's going to be dark days mm. and i've just got to sit with that okay today's a difficult day yeah tomorrow's another day yeah um mm. that's a good saying tomorrow's another day yeah that's one that i quite like and and sort of live by yep if something's happened then it's happened tomorrow's the sun's gonna rise so that's right um, but I'm still, yeah, I'm still getting help, uh, with my mental healthness. Good. Uh, well, mental health. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I'm getting psychology. Great. Um, and counseling and, yep. and behavioral, behavioral therapy as well. Yep. Great. Um, to try and try and lift myself out of the, uh, the dark moments. And look, that's hard for anyone josh mm. you know at the best of times i think we can struggle with those difficult thoughts yeah so that's you know really a credit to you that you've identified that and you know that that helps yeah unfortunately it sort of i was really really down for a, a few weeks <clears throat> not too long ago and it, mm. it all sort of came to a head and there was trouble with me and katie and it, we both sort of said that both nutcases. There's <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of nutcase in all of us, really. <laughs> but um, and and so I said, yeah, I, I admitted to her. I said, I think I need help. Um, and even just saying that to her lifted. Mm. Um, maybe the the stress and the the weight and the yeah. pressure that I'm putting on myself, just admitting that I was not okay, <clears throat> and then organising to see a psychologist. Yeah, that just. That put my mind sort of at ease. Was that the first time you got help with your mental health since the accident? Uh, I did have, I was seeing a psychologist while I was in the health healthcare system. Yeah. Um, but that that was just uh, more counselling yep. than any sort of. Um, yeah, like I said, I'm doing that behavioural training. Yep. CBT. Yeah, good. Cognitive behaviour yeah. therapy. Yep, changing the thoughts. And... Yeah, try, trying to get started with that. Yeah, so, um, great. Yeah, I, I received counselling, but not any... Um, Anything specific. No. Yeah, more no. support. Yeah, yep. yep. Which was probably what you needed at the time. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, it did It did help, mm. especially when I was in rehab alone. Yeah. Um, having someone to talk to and, and get things out there was... Mm was important and really helped yeah i think that's when i took a turn in rehab i sort of was plodding along and just yeah but when i started to um start to get that counseling and and help then i think my mood really started to shift and i yep. was started to look to look towards life a bit more positively so obviously life's changed a lot since the accident what are some of the big changes <clears throat> um well i've got the daughter now yeah little um, remy yes remy. she was um she was born a month after I was discharged from hospital. Yeah, um, so a nice was, present when you got home. Yeah, so I was home and I was, you know, in a bit in somewhat of a routine with life and yeah, and she came along and shook it all up. <laughs> of course, <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, well, I was a, you know, I said earlier I was a welder, um, for eight years or so beforehand. Yep. Um, that's not an easy job to do mm. from a wheelchair. Um. I worked on with large structural sections, so yeah, um, you know, twelve meter long beams and 
needed overhead cranes to move everything and yeah and so it was going to be a difficult thing to even think about um mm. i probably could have st- still i could probably still do that i think but in a sort of specialized yes workshop it'd have to be set up just mm. right and um a different type of work so yeah so i um so i had to give that up um so i'm so I'm a stay-at-home dad at the moment. Yep. Um, and I um I'm studying building design, part time. How are you finding that being uh, a student again? Oh, uh, I don't. I, I love it. Um, That's great. <laughs> the attitude about learning has changed. You yes. know, as you become an adult, you're like, oh, I wish I could have that time again to actually, yeah, you know, apply yourself. Um, so it's been great. Um, I think it's something that I've probably always wanted to do. I reckon. Um, I do mm. remember being a, a high school kid and thinking architecture would be an yeah. awesome job and so to to go down that stream is um into that industry is i'm pretty excited about so that's interesting josh because if you hadn't have had your accident you may well we don't know but you may never have had this opportunity to to study yeah, yeah well at the time during life there was there was no thought about changing career yeah you know, we just we just got a mortgage we we're having a baby mm. it wasn't probably wasn't the time to give that up and start again like i had an established career and um mm. yeah so that's that's a positive it's know, a positive yeah i don't think it'd, it'd be a shame to not take that opportunity yeah it's exciting to try and um try and do something and make something of myself how long will that take to complete that study um halfway through uh so i've got another year to go awesome yeah Fantastic. Yeah. Any other positives that have come out of your accident? Um, no. There's a, there's a different outlook mm-hmm. at life. Um, yep. And it's a different world out there. Like there's, there's so much that I've learned about, not just spinal cord injuries, but disability in general. Mm. Um, and I've been exposed to a lot more than I ever have before. Yeah. Um, and I, I quite like meeting people and, and getting to know their story. Mm. I think the stories of people with disabilities are quite unique. Yep. It's nothing. Someone could have the exact same disorder or disability or impairment, mm. and they present in a million ways differently. Um, so everybody is so different and so unique. It's great. Mm. Um, and I think already the older kids, Nora and Isla, mm. have a changed perspective yes. of life as well. Um, and they went through hell and back. Um, it's a they, lot for little kids to deal with, isn't it? Yeah. How old are they, Josh? Uh, Isla just turned eight and yep. Noah is nine. Um, so they were... Well, Noah was, Noah was in grade one and mm. Isla just started prep. Yeah. And you've been in their life for quite a while. Yeah. 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 Uh, me and Katie have been together for four years now. Um, so yeah, over half of Isla's life already. Yes, yes. I thought that on her birthday ago... It was her fourth birthday, just before her fourth birthday, that we got together. I remember getting Isla a present for her birthday. She may not remember a time that, that Josh, or Dad, as she calls you, wasn't in her life. Because yeah. it's, it's often hard to remember before four. Yeah, that's right. You so, know? Yeah, there's not going to be a stage where yeah. I wasn't there. That's which is right. quite an exciting thing to think about. Yes. Yeah. And look, they're amazing kids. I've had both of them in my kids' mindfulness class. And mm. I saw compassion. I saw kindness. Yeah. Um, you know, I have some kids in my classes that have um, some behavioural difficulties and mm-hmm. they were both just so kind and compassionate. There was no judgment. Oh, that's lovely. That's oh, good to hear. So that's... I just, I wondered, I guess, whether that, um, you know, had been because of what they'd, they'd been through here with you guys and the way you guys were raising them. Well, hopefully. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully they've got something out of it. Um, I don't know. It was tough for them. Mm. Like that, that year, 2017, was... I think all four of us have written that one off. That's yeah. No good to us. Um, the <clears throat> Remy and the house were they're the only highlights of that year, yep. I think. Um, mm. So, yeah, they, they went through some tough times. They yep. probably don't know it or even remember it, mm. I, I don't think, that if they were still young enough that they could probably wipe that. And look, <laughs> but, kids are resilient, Josh. They, they, are. they really are. They just, whatever, whatever comes, whatever happens, they adapt. Yeah, they bounce back. If they, they've got the love and support. The backbone, yeah. which so, they have got, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I think we're quite a nice family unit. We work really well together. Great team. Um, yeah, Katie and I are like best friends. So yeah, 
um, awesome. look at each other's backs and yeah and so I so I hope that those kids have a change of perspective similar to to what I've yes got, what I what I've gone through and they, and they are compassionate to all people mm. regardless of of what they look like or yeah. how they think or how they're behaving, how they're behaving which is what yeah. I saw in my classes definitely oh, lovely that that's that's great to hear. Mm. <laughs> So, I mean, you're talking about the kids, um, so that might lead into the next question. What's helped you move through your challenges and difficulties? What's motivated you to keep getting out of bed every day? Um, <clears throat> definitely family. Yeah. I think it's a cliche answer, but, you know. Well, it's no surprise hearing, was, you know, how much you love your family. Yeah. Yep. I think, it, you know, once everyone gets, once someone gets a family, then that's, that becomes their, their priority. So, yeah, those guys and... The support and motivation from them and you know, extended family and friends is really, really, really helpful. Um, mm. And I've got an opportunity at the moment. Mm. Um, it's sort of like life has been, at least profession, professional life has been put on pause. Yep. And I can take some time now to to spend time at home with Remy and and go after... Uh, my um my fitness goals yep um and yeah it's still still obviously working towards having a career yep um through study but but I can just sort of take my time and and um just sort of sort of work on life and I've got the opportunity to do that so I think it'd be quite a shame mm. to waste that um yeah it's interesting the way sometimes the universe throws us a curveball and we think, what the is going on here? But yeah. then it can become an opportunity. It can be a time to slow down yeah, um, and take stock and look at life differently. Yeah, definitely. Mm. Um, I think if we get caught up in life sometimes, so it's really nice to just take the time to, to just live and go with the flow, I guess, and yep. not, not be locked down to... To nine to five and mm. and, and those sorts of sorts of things. And it's really valuable that you're getting to spend this time with the kids as well, particularly Remy being so little. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know that's that's fantastic to have Dad around. Yeah, yeah. it's been a it's been a really good eighteen months with her. And so I'll she's be, obviously kept you going, I would say. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, and I would say to anyone, like any any guy, if you mm. can if you can take the time to spend more time. With your little one, yeah. Then, then do it because it's, oh, you know what kids are like. They, mm. they cry and they poo and all those sorts of <laughs> nasty things, and they're up at the crack of dawn and mm. whatever. But it's it's such a buzz. I think <clears throat> those moments where she learns a new word or yeah, or you know develops and takes another step in her development. It's all amazing, and it's yes. so good to be able to watch that and see yes. it and not miss out. So yeah. yeah. So that's an opportunity too, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Mm. So you were talking before about, you know, almost that you hit a bit of a wall not so long ago. So my next question was going to be around, are there still dark days and how do you cope with these? Mm. Um, yeah, uh, there's, there's definitely dark days. Mm. Um, and um, yeah, like I said, I'm working with the psychologist. My, probably the, the worst thing is that I lose motivation, mm. um, and sort of, sort of when I'm down, I'm not, I'm not anxious or stressed or anything. I just, it's almost like I can't be bothered. Mm. Um, and I said this to my psychologist. He said everything's too hard. Mm. That's that's the that's the mindset that I get yep. into when I, when I take a turn. Mm. Um, and so that's why. We're trying the CBT to yep. to try and change those behaviours and um, try and identify what the truth of the matter mm-hmm. um, instead of just jumping to conclusions because I I find personally when I'm when I'm in a mood that everything is an issue mm. if if a, the the slightest inconvenience can can cause me to go oh this is this whole thing is ruined and then yeah you start to catastrophize a bit or, or yeah, filter I, out the good stuff yeah definitely that's sort of what happens to me um so trying to change that mm. um yeah trying to change those thoughts and behaviors will there be any more surgeries uh not that i'm aware of okay well that's a relief i bet yeah um so all all the steel work that i've got in there is it's stable it's fine it's not moving um mm. 
I do um, oh, people with spinal cord injuries um, sort of the fluid that moves around the spinal cord mm-hmm. um, it doesn't move around completely because there's obviously damage and inflammation and or the cord's severed and that fluid doesn't move around properly so what can happen is it bunches up mm. and it creates like a bubble and that can put pressure on your spinal cord right um so there was a stage where i had one of those very very small sort of no danger but there's a possibility that something like that can happen and cause uh, cord damage further up yeah um so i think i'll get mris periodically for you know six twelve months just to keep an eye on that just keep an eye on it um yeah and they can they can operate on that and train it and and that'll be fine mm. but um no unless i unless i bend a rod or a screw comes out of where it's supposed to be then there's yep there's no reason for me to have a surgery okay i should i should by rights be as healthy as any other 27 year old just spinal cord injury that's yep why. that's the only difference so generally you sound, you know, you sound pretty positive. Do you think, um, you know, it's, it's a pretty obvious question, I suppose. I think I know the answer. Mindset, you know, what, what's the power of mindset in all of this? Mm. Um, I think I've got, yeah, I think I've got a quite a positive mindset and outlook. Mm. Um, I definitely know that and I live by, you can't change the past. Mm. If something's happened, it's happened. Um, and obviously I said that, you know, there's the what ifs and, mm. and those sorts of things creep in, but it's not how, you know, that's not how I live the majority of my day. It's usually a down day if that, you know, if that's Yeah, if not, yep. not even a day, it'd be a yes, down 15 minutes or, yep. or, you know. Um, so I think, yeah, definitely having a positive outlook is, is important. I think you're right. It's just about... Um, not not focusing too much on the, the past and mm. just looking forward and I think that's what you're doing. Yeah. You know, it's yeah, around that. To, yeah. Um, you know, adapting in life to cope best, we must adapt mm. to overcome. Yeah. Yeah, adjust the sails. Yeah. Yeah, you'd agree with that one. Yeah, definitely. Change always happens. <laughs> yes. Um it's a con I think change is a constant. Yes. <laughs> absolutely. A bit of an oxymoron, but <laughs> Yeah, but that's true, it's the only thing that's a guarantee is that yeah. um, um so yeah, it could be the slightest thing or it could be a catastrophic yeah. moment or trauma or whatever absolutely um, survival of the fittest more or less yeah that can around come into just it. adapting yeah. you know to overcome the difficulties yeah. so do you think all of this has made you more grateful or has it kind of highlighted what what you need to be grateful for in life or oh, i wouldn't say it's highlighted anything but uh, yeah i'd say it's i'd say i'm grateful I'm quite grateful to have, I think, the, the support and the, the network mm. I've got around me yep. through my immediate family and and friends and, and social groups is, oh, I probably, I wouldn't have done the stuff that I've done mm. without that. Um, yep. So that's, I'm incredibly grateful for the people mm. in my life. Um, yeah, and, and just to, just to be here as yeah. well. Um, I think... If anything, if the accident, if I didn't go over the handlebars, mm. as far as I did, I would have come, I would have sort of come straight down on the top of my head as yep. opposed to the back of it, and it would have, and things could have been a lot different. Mm. Um, so, I, yeah, I don't think what had happened probably wasn't life threatening, but I think it could have been, and like to to think that that could have happened and it didn't. Um, pretty grateful absolutely for, to, to be here and to be able to to do this and have the opportunity mm, and i'm sure that's how katie felt too you know getting that call look he's yeah he's still with us yeah, and that's the main thing yeah so josh crossfit mm. <laughs> tell let's move on to crossfit but i want you to tell um our listeners what crossfit's all about there's a lot of people out there who may never have heard of crossfit yeah. um so crossfit is more or less a training method for uh, just for, for strength and, and fitness. Um, it incorporates barbell and Olympic movements, squats, deadlifts, presses, those sorts of things. All that fun stuff. All the fun, all the fun stuff, all the heavy stuff. Then there's um, gymnastic style movements, 
um, that incorporate body weight, strength and, and coordination um, and high intensity, intensity conditioning pieces um, that could be anywhere from three minutes long to 45 And that's your ward, isn't it, what they call the yeah, ward? Yeah, the workout the ward, of the day. The workout of the day. Yeah, yep. usually just call it a workout. Yeah, so. Yep. So I, you know, as you know, I, I crossfitted some years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and you were an avid crossfitter prior to your accident. Yeah. So I'd spent the last, well, the three and a half years leading up to it pretty well, average five days a week there. Um, were you good at what you did? <laughs> oh, I, I don't think I was. In terms of, like, you're looking at a competition perspective, um, probably not the greatest. But I, like, I remember seeing you lift quite heavy for yeah, your I, for your build. Yeah, you know? well, for my build, I think I was I was pretty strong and yeah. I always, I've always been sort of in tune with my body. I know how yep. to move. Um, I know, I know whether it's just being a boy and playing sports for your whole yep, life. Yeah, that just body awareness. Yeah, spatial awareness and body awareness. Um, and that really helps with CrossFit too, doesn't does. it? There's quite a lot of technical movements and and patterns that you have to have to nail to mm. to make things work. Um, yeah, I think I was pretty good. I liked yeah. it. I trained for fun. I didn't train for to be a world breaker, world beater, or anything like that. I just I was training for fun. Met the community and got involved in that. And, and it's a big community, isn't it? I remember yeah, when I was there. It's um, it's I don't know. I don't want to say a cult, but you know, look, people on the outside often call it a cult. Yeah. But it's very social. It's very friendly. It's very inclusive. Yeah, it is. It's like a um, it's like a a footy club, but without the football culture it's without the of, drinking yeah, yeah. <laughs> except for the christmas parties oh, the christmas party, yeah. <laughs> um yeah so there's that that club mentality environment yep. where you're, you're all a part of the gym and you're not just a you're not just a member you're a part of a team yeah mm. yeah and there's quite a you know, people get there half an hour and early and sit and chat they stick around and get coffee together it's and a it's, great community it is a great community and they um the gym really pulled together when i had my accident mm. um and they helped. They they run a a um a fundraiser night with an auctioneer and uh, entertainment that mm. are to there and so it's CrossFit Diamond Valley. Oh, it's CrossFit Diamond that. Valley, yep. yeah. Um, and they helped raise money, um, for Katie and I to yep. get through. Awesome. All of the hospital time. That says a lot, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah, it really does. They 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 dug deep and really helped us out. Mm. So. so the reason I'm talking about CrossFit is the very exciting news that you are the only Australian adapted athlete to be competing at the upcoming Waterpalooza yep. in Miami in January, mid January. Yep. Uh, so you finished eight yep. out of thirty participants. Very impressive. Um, obviously, you know after you had your accident. Um, after a period of time, you went back to CrossFit. Mm-hmm. That must have been a hell of a challenge because I know myself when I did CrossFit, it's a lot of core. Yeah, it's a lot of leg stuff. Like yeah. how what happened? Did they adapt the program? Or yeah, so um, so my physio throughout hospital and rehab was all about um getting the balance, um, and learning how to move. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't we weren't focusing on recovering muscle function uh below my level of injury it was more about living life in a wheelchair um so we learned um how to sit up and and how to move around and use the shoulders to transfer and all that um but there was one stage when i was only a few weeks after the accident i had a i had a plastic brace around my core um because they just wanted the extra stability for the um for the spinal fusion I was doing a physio session. I was sitting on the edge of the bed with my feet straight forward, um, knees width apart, mm. and I couldn't sit up straight by mm. myself. There was a physio in front of me, standing in front of me, tapping my shoulders to keep me where I was, and someone behind me mm. to stop me from falling over. Gee. So I couldn't sit by myself. Um, sitting in a wheelchair is different than sitting on a bed. Yep. It's, it's sort of made around your body. And yes. It, it holds you, hold you up better. Um, but I can still, if I grab something and hold it out in front of me, I'll fall forward and the the weight will take me. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, a lot of my physio was about learning how to how to balance and how to move. Um, so yeah, going back to CrossFit was sort of, well, I think it was about 
eight months after the accident. Mm. Um, Gee, that seems so soon. Yeah. Probably um, not for you at the time. Though. Uh, yeah, well, um, we'll sort of, it was January had the accident, discharged in May. Um, Remy was born in June. Yeah, and I think it was August that I started to get back um, to training. Yeah. The gym said, anytime you want to come in, yeah. come in, we'll, we'll work with you. We'll, we'll get you back fit mm. and active. Um, and so, yeah, the, the sessions were looking after, looking after my shoulders, so doing a lot of rotator cuff strengthening and, and making sure everything was moving right mm. um, and doing a lot of, yeah, a lot of core work, trying to strengthen mm. that up. Um, sitting by myself and twisting with a with a ball and and catching it and going overhead and all these sorts of things, mm. um, which I had gotten stronger at, just from just passively through through living, mm. I guess. Was, I could sit up a lot better by the time I'd started yep. CrossFit, but um, it's taken it to another level. I think if I hadn't have gotten into it, I would. I think my quality of life would be lower um and it's looking at like a like a movement that's um incorporated in crossfit we look at it and we break it down and we say how can we either emulate the movement Mm. or if we can't emulate the movement then we need to emulate the stimulus that the movement can give you um i think the classic example that i use is the burpee um, I think a, bur- a burpee is for someone who can, who is able, um, getting on the floor, getting back up. That's it's that's basically the, that's isn't the it? fundamentals of a burpee. <laughs> like if you can get your chest to the floor and then get yep. back up to your feet, yeah, that's what that's what you're doing. Um, and so I can't do that. Obviously, um, we can emulate the movement by getting on the floor and being on my knees and sort of going and doing a push up. Mm-hmm. pushing myself back up yep. to, a, to a sort of seated on my knees position um, so we can emulate the movement but in terms of, of CrossFit the stimulus is from that emulated movement is not the same as the stimulus that an able-bodied person mm. would get and so we substitute in any workout that has burpees we substitute it with um, a ball slam in the wheelchair where the ball starts on the floor I hinge down pick it up onto my lap and overhead um, and then slow it back down. So it's that same, it's yeah. down and back up. But I can do, you know, one rep is, you know, a second and a half, like it's quick. Yep. It gets that same stimulus, the heart rate goes yeah, straight up. Yeah, absolutely. Like, um, so yeah, that's, that's the biggest thing with, um, with adapting CrossFit. We need to you know, break down movements and break down stimulus as well. Thinking outside the it. box, isn't yeah. it, really? So, um, what Appalooza? Yeah. Tell us about that. What's that all about? Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> so there's CrossFit competitions from all over the world, from the CrossFit Games, which is run by CrossFit the Business, yep. I guess you call it that, the Col. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's local boxers run their run competitions throughout the year. You can sign up to any you want, really. There, there's usually no sort of entry requirements or or if they want to set it to a higher level, they say you need to have these particular movements and strengths yep. to be able to complete the program that we're doing. Um, so the Waterpalooza is a worldwide level competition. And, um, some of the elite CrossFitters do compete there um, in the elite division. Um, and so they ran an online qualifier where over three weeks they released um, seven workouts yeah, seven workouts over mm-hmm. three weeks. Um, <clears throat> and they sort of, they said, you need to do, for those that don't understand what I mean by workout, they say you need to do four rounds of this yep. particular amount of work and the fastest person wins. Or you have 20 minutes to do these movements and whoever does the most mm-hmm. wins. Yep. So there's there's different training there's different stimulus and different time lengths and, and all yep. that stuff. So they released them and you had, we had to judge it and film it um, and submit the scores online. And once they were verified, you'd go onto the leaderboard. Um, and yeah, managed to surprisingly finish eighth and, and slipped into the qualifying spots. Um, 
So you're in a special division though. Oh yes. Because obviously there's yeah, able-bodied yeah. and um, then there's. So yeah, Water Blues are, are, I I think the only one, of those sort of global competitions mm. that um have a adapted division. Yep. Um and they have a division for, seated, uh, like a, upper limb, uh, impairment or a lower limb impairment. And I think there might be another division, but I can't think of it off the top of my head. Um, <clears throat> and so, yeah, they, they run that. And, um, and yeah, so there was a, there was a pool of, of 30 male uh, wheelchair athletes. And I, yeah, managed to slip into eighth. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. So the, but the only, you're the only adapted athlete from Australia, is what I read. Is that? Uh, yeah. I think I'm, I'm not definitely the only one in my division. On your division, uh, yeah. There, there might be... I know that there was a, um, I think there was a guy that had a, was a blow the knee amputee, um, single leg. I'm pretty sure from Australia, but I'm not sure if he qualified. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm fairly certain that I'm the, the only Australian to be oh, going goosebumps. over there for the, what for the achievement. <laughs> How yeah. are you feeling about that? Oh, excited. Excited. Yeah. yeah. Um, really surprised initially because I know. Uh, trawling through social media these guys that I'm going to be competing with have quite a profile um, yeah. <laughs> because they're they're incredible athletes um, and they seem like good people I don't know that but um, are they as recently what's the word like as recently um, have they acquired their, their paraplegic status as recently as you I guess is what I'm asking um, or you might not know oh, that yeah I've don't know, but I know that not all of us that who have qualified are paraplegic. Right. Um, there is, well, the, the three, probably the three top guys in the division who are machines in terms of CrossFit. Uh, one of them has cerebral palsy. Right. Wow. Um, one of them is a T12 paraplegic, same as me. And one of them is a double amputee. Above, okay. Above the knee. Above the knee. Um, and, um. And they're both, they're, oh, sorry, all three of them are incredible athletes. And they, like I said, they're, they're quite high profile in terms of social media. Um, and they probably deserve it because of they're putting out good content and they're educating people. Yep. Um, the guy who is a paraplegic, Kevin Ogar, he, um, he was a crossfitter beforehand and he actually broke his back at an event. Oh, wow. He, um, he was warming up doing some snatch, some snatches, um, Olympic barbell movement mm. going overhead. Um, and he, he lost it behind his back and it dumped down and it bounced on the corner of some plates that were stacked there oh. and it bounced back and the bar hit him in the back wow. and severed his spinal cord. <gasps> um, so he was not, not an elite crossfitter, but quite, quite a good athlete. <laughs> um, he is very strong and a good athlete. Yep. And he had a lot of support. And that was, I think, maybe six years ago now. And he's since become a um, CrossFit run and adaptive training course. He is the guy that runs that. Wow. So he's quite knowledgeable and he's sort of leading the way in terms of adapting mm. these things for people that have impairments. So six years on. So that's exciting. You know, you're what? I don't know, 18... Yeah. Months. Yeah, January. So it's so almost two years on. Yeah, yeah is that so, right? Yeah. yeah. So it goes to show you what can be achieved. Yeah. In that amount of time. Yeah. So um. Yeah, people say that you know, people who have spinal cord injuries, it takes them sort of five to seven years to become mm. um. To accept it, to come mm. to acceptance, and and get over the demons that come with it. Um, yes. So there is a long, a long period of transition. I think with with this injury, um, and so to see someone who's you know, killing it, um, like within that time frame, is um, that's really motivating. It's like if he can do it, then I can do it. Absolutely. Like that sort of that sort of thing. Um, but I think what you've achieved in such a small amount of time too, Josh. You know, you need to reflect on that. Take stock. Yeah, you know, def- it's not even two years. And yeah. look at you. Oh, um, you're about to go off to <laughs> the states. So you're off to the states. Um, oh, it must be around mid January thereabouts. Yeah, eighteenth. The competition yep. is eighteenth to twentieth. So that's really exciting. Yeah. What do you hope to achieve over there? Do you even dare to dream? Oh yeah, dare to dream. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'll I'll go hundred percent. 
I'm training as probably as hard as I ever have at the moment. So um, obviously the the guys from CrossFit TV are yeah, they're really pushing me in your corner, pushing you along. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah, the yeah, getting the sweat on in the class and yeah, and the, you know, still being involved in the community. I don't think I should. I'm not going to let go of that. No. Um, I'm doing a lot of training by myself as well, but I'm not going to give up the reason why I started. Sorry, the reason why I was drawn in. The community wasn't why I started, it was why it was still going. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yes. Um, so, yeah, still get involved in classes. Um, I trained this morning. Mm. Um, and, yeah, so, yeah, they, they've definitely got my back. They've, yep. they've had it the whole time. It must so. be exciting for them to, to, you know, adapt to the programs and, and work with you and, yeah, and think outside the box. And, yeah. Um, yeah. Her coach, Nikki, she... um. Yeah, she's taking the bull by the horns, um, and she loves it. I think it's in, like, I think from some of the other coaches have said that um, when she started training me, because we do one-on-one sessions yep. once a week as well, um, when she started training me and adapting my program and my movements and all those sorts of things, it really inspired her for her coaching mm. across the spectrum. Um, so I think it's that's it's been a positive impact on her, and then it's filter on through the gym as well absolutely um yeah so i think like that that trickle effect mm. has really sort of spread itself well her growth as a coach you know she's learning she's changing yeah it's really exciting yeah. and she, she liked and challenged herself yeah she and she's quite intelligent and so i think learning about these things has mm. been really good for her so that's a positive influence you've had there josh that you know yeah. that's, that's created an opportunity yeah i don't, for, don't for often gym. think about it but when yeah. it comes up again yeah that yeah, that's a Absolutely. really great thing to come out of it. The effect that you can have on, on other people and their learning and their growth. Mm. So um, obviously to get you off to Miami, it's great to get some support, maybe in terms of sponsors or um, support in other ways. So if people want to help out with that, they can contact Nikki um, yeah. at the gym. Yeah, CrossFit Diamond Valley. Yep, um, and I'll put, I'll put the notes. I'll put that in the notes. Yeah, um, I'm, the not show sure, notes. I'm not sure of the email if it's yep. or anything. I can just... get all that. I'll put that in the show notes so yeah. people can make contact yeah, with um, yeah. Nikki if they want to support you in any way. Yeah, for sure. So what would you say to someone who may be on a similar journey to you? Perhaps they may be recovering from an accident or an illness, may need direction, something to focus on. Um, oh, I think... I think it's very important to to talk. Um, it's a powerful tool. Mm. Um, I think we're we're meant to communicate. So don't let don't let anything. Uh, don't be ashamed. Yeah. I think is a big thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that can probably apply to even just you know someone who's not going through something. Yeah. Don't be ashamed of what you're feeling or you're thinking. Mm. Um, I, I never. I don't know. I don't think I was like a stoic boys don't cry yes. sort of sort of yeah. character. I've never You've never, never identified never as believed that. that. Like yep. it's I don't think that's true. But then once I actually took the time to um to confront my feelings and, and acknowledge them and do something about mm. the depression or, or you know, getting the counselling, that really lifted my spirit. Mm. Um so I think you you just need to I think talking is uh, is a big thing that that people can do. Mm. Um, talk to anyone. You know, there's little things you can do day to day that that help. Yeah. Um, remember, someone said to me, you know, every day have a shower, every day go get some sunlight, every day yeah. have a conversation. Yeah, those little steps. Yeah, I think. Um, yeah, you you set yourself up a. For, for a positive day, the, you know, you get up and you have a shower. It's nice and warm. You have the nice yeah. thoughts in there, and you know, the body relaxes, and you you feel good. It's and a good you... mindfulness practice. Yeah. Well, yeah, <laughs> it yeah. is. Yeah. Um. So yeah, get the support. It's always mm. around you. Take the opportunity when it presents itself. Yeah. You do have opportunities, and you can. If if you need to do something, you can make it happen. Yep. You, yeah. So, you know, I guess I'm wondering about limiting beliefs, you know, someone who may have been involved in an accident or recovering, mm. you know, if their beliefs are holding them back, you know, what if I fail? What if I don't achieve this? What if people think I'm not good enough? You know, what would you say about that? Um, who cares if you fail? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and who cares what anyone else thinks? I mean, yep. 
uh, I, I, think, I still feel those things. Or what if I stuff this up? Or what if I'm not? Because you're I, human. We all have those thoughts, yeah, don't what we? If, what if I'm not a good house designer? Or those thoughts are always going to happen. But yeah. Um, your thoughts about what someone else is thinking is never, never right. Yeah. It's, it's just not. It's none of your business it's, anyway. It's, yeah. What someone else exactly is thinking. Right. <laughs> um, so don't, your, your mental roadblocks aren't mm, real. Yes. Um, Spot on. There's no, there's. Don't believe everything you think. No. Um, it's, you know, nothing's actually holding you back. Mm. Like you, if you, if you want to, get out and learn something new or, or take on a new challenge or mm. you know, or you're going through something and there's actually nothing that's really holding you back. Yeah, except um, for yourself a lot of the time. Yeah, it's just your, your own excuses or your own, maybe you're not putting a priority on something. So Josh, given that this is a Mindful Life podcast, the question I'll be closing with with all my guests is how do you live a mindful life? And for me, living a mindful life involves kindness, compassion, gratitude, living in the moment and letting go of the past. So how does Josh Young these days live a mindful life? Um, quite a lot of the things that you just mentioned. Um, I don't think I sort of prescribe to any sort of ideology or, or creed or religion or anything like that. Um, but there's probably a lot of parallels in my thinking for, for a lot of those ideologies. Um, I think mindfulness is, uh, to me, compassion, um, thinking about others, um, and yeah, living in the moment is a big one. Mm. I think if you, if you live your mind, if you, if you live your life thinking about you know, what your future is going to be like or what's happened in your past mm. and you're not present, then mm. I feel like you can really get yourself wrapped up and you can make, I don't know, make your problems seem like they're worse than they mm. are because you're not actually dealing with them. You're dealing with the made up stuff in your head. Yeah. So I think being present and being in the moment is, is quite important to me mm. as well as, um, yeah, compassion towards others. So thanks for being my first guest. I really enjoyed oh, chatting with you today. Learned lots. <laughs> yeah. Feeling very inspired. Oh, um, appreciate you assisting me to pop my first uh, podcast cherry, yeah. <laughs> my interview cherry. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I want to wish you all the best in Miami, and I can't no, wait to you. hear how it all goes. Yeah, sure. Uh, it's going to be a bit of a buzz, I think. It's going to yep. be quite an experience. If you'd like to assist Josh with sponsorship or to support him in any way on his journey to Miami to compete at Wadapalooza as Australia's only qualifying adapted athlete, please email nikki at crossfitdiamondvalley.com. Further details can be found in the episode description. If for any reason you have found the content of today's podcast triggering or distressing in any way, please consider accessing some professional support. Australian mental health telephone support numbers are listed in the show notes. You've been listening to the Mindful Life podcast with your host, Marianne Eve, mental health social worker and mindfulness educator. If you'd like further information or you'd like to connect, feel free to make contact via Facebook or Instagram under the handle Mindful Life Podcast or via email mindfullifepodcast at gmail.com.